Welcome back to episode 25 of the Back Pocket Banner podcast. We have another special guest, which we think you will like. He plays NBL for the Brisbane Bullets and has represented his country all around the world. And he's hot from beyond the arc. Jason Kadee, welcome to the Back Pocket Banner podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, fellas. No worries. So, for a start, we'll take you back a bit. Can you give us a bit of background to your life and when you started playing basketball? Um, started playing basketball when I was pretty young. So, obviously, my uh, family is very, um, I guess, big in basketball in terms of being around it a long time. So, when I was younger, my dad was actually uh, running and coaching a, a Siebel program uh, called yep. the West Sydney Slammers, which turned into the West Sydney Razorbacks, which some would know who followed the NBL for a long time. Um, so I started playing when I was probably about six or seven and then um, was also been around that since about the same age. So it's kind of uh, NBL and my basketball life have kind of kicked off at the same point, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess being around it that much with both your parents and that um, just getting used to it, the environment, that would have uh, sort of helped you get a bit of a kickstart in that, uh, that sport. Yeah, I just um, – I've seen it from so many different levels from like just, I guess, um, being around my mates as a, as a kid, enjoying it, and also being, I guess, around um, some older people who were around that knew my parents. And then um, NBL-wise, going to training and watching and then also seeing it from my dad's point of view and then um, even younger going over and – going to the States with my dad because he was meeting people over there, GMs and stuff. So I've seen so many different levels from a young age. I guess when I was younger, you just don't really think too much of it. But as I've got older, I realised how much I've seen from an early age, which I would say now definitely helped me going forward. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, Growing up, was basketball the only sport you played or were there others that you had had a passion for? Um, no, I used to love playing soccer, AFL. I did a lot of little athletics. Um, yeah. I loved, yeah, kind of any sport really. I just, I just enjoyed competing and, and whatever. I think basketball kind of took over for me. For me, it must have been towards the end of primary school, I think, kind of as I got to that at 12, 13, it kind of took over from the other sports. And once I went to a sports high school um, at Westfield Sports, and so I was there for basketball. So once I was there, it kind of took over from uh, all the other sports I was doing, which is probably for the best. Yeah. In 2009, you played for Australia in the FIBA Under-19 World Championship. Must have been pretty exciting to play with and against some of the world's best junior talent. Yeah, it was um, – I guess my junior career, like I'd always had a very good top age year. Like whenever I was top age, I'd put up big numbers and, and have a pretty good year. But when I was bottom age – like under 12s, 14s, 16s, bottom age, I kind of would float and do bits and pieces. And then from 18s, bottom age, it kind of just, I think I would say my, I just went to another level where I was starting to have 30s and 40s and I guess get noticed on a different scale. Like I played at nationals, um, top age 16s and then bottom age 18s. I had an okay nationals, pretty decent. And I think from then on, it kind of just kicked off and then I started to get noticed in the, I guess the AIS environment and things like that. And um, I'd only gone into the AIS environment late. I wasn't part of the EMU stuff in there kind of the year before. It's like a two-year window, if that makes sense. And so with yeah. the FIBA, with the under-19s being on the back end of that two-year window or 18-month window, 
And so I think I went into my first camp towards the end of that first year and it was more of an AIS trial as well and I did pretty well and then uh, I think it was January, I got picked to go to the AIS, went to the uh, January camp and then from there it kind of just snowboarded. It went from being like camp to a tour overseas to a tour in Australia to the 19s with the boomers camp mixed in. It was kind of like a really big six to six to nine months. Yeah, yeah I guess I guess when you're playing like um, bottom edge, it takes a little while to sort of adapt to the the level. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, every every time, like, and I, I obviously getting a bit older now, and I've got my own child at the moment. Like, he's only one, but like, I've got a one of my best mates, Anthony Petrie. His his girls are currently going through the ranks, and um, I, I guess I see more and I notice it. It's such a big jump in juniors when you go from 14s to 16s. 16s, 18s, you're playing kids like two years older. Some kids are developed way more. Yeah. Um, confidence. Like there's a, there's a whole range of things that go into it. And yeah. kids trying to figure out their own body too. That's the other part. Like I look at um, some of the kids getting around now. Some are just trying to figure out how to move, let alone play basketball. And I think in a sport like this, you have to be able to coordination and, and – um, hand-eye and so many things come into it. And so I think for me as a junior, I think I was probably probably a little soft, I reckon, actually. I just I, – I kind of just – basketball came easy to me, so I just kind of floated with it. Yeah, yeah. I think once I, I realised what I wanted to do and how I wanted to go about it, I think I started to take the right steps to becoming, uh, I guess, a professional. Yeah. And you spoke about the AIS before. In 2009-2010, you were part of that. How much did you learn, develop your game through that institute? That was, um, I think, the biggest um, the biggest turning point in my life. I reckon I, um, I I learned how to be a professional. I learned how to be in an environment where it's all you do is basketball. That's that's what we're there for. Like we're we're training every day, basically. We're doing weights. We're doing all these other things, which I'd kind of done. I'd done the basketball side, but I hadn't done the whole other side. And it also took me out of my comfort zone. I wasn't around my mates. Well, I was at the OAS, but I wasn't around the kids I grew up with. wasn't around my family. So once I got down there, I think it was a pretty steep learning curve. And as I said, in that first six months, I think from memory, we had a January camp where I first went in the AIS. We had a tour to France in April for the pre-Worlds tournament where we played a host of European teams, the US, Canada. We played a host of great teams. So that was my first taste of international basketball. Yeah. And then off the back of that, I remember being in France and Marty Clark, our coach, who was our AS coach, said, brought me, Matthew Delavadova, Cody Ellis and Brock Modem into a room and said, you've been picked in the Boomer squad. They, made, they picked an extended squad. And so within three months of being AOS, I was in the 19s team for the first time. I've been picked in a boomer's squad, which had, a, I think, 35 or something. And then we were going to the Worlds in uh, June or July of that year. So that, that six months was like eye-opening in so many levels with the talent I was around, as you guys said before, and the talent I played against. And then with Marty at the AOS, I just I really learned what needed to be done, I guess. And there's people that pick that road and there's people that say, well, I can kind of go this way and hopefully it gets me there. But I, I think I figured out how, for me, the best way was to go forward. 
Yeah, yeah that's such a quick, quick progression, right? How, how it all yeah. happened and probably wouldn't have been yeah, for it. Yeah, it was crazy because I just, like, as I said, I was like, you're a kid and you just, uh, when thing jumps from another, at the time, you're just kind of going with it. And then as I look back on it, I remember just like, I remember getting told I was going to the boomers camp. I was like, what? And we landed back from France, whatever that flight is, 20 hours. And we went into camp yeah. the next day and did like the first three days of the camp before they pulled us out. And like, even then I was around full blown professionals like James Harvey, all these guys. And I was just like, it was mind blowing for me, but it was, I think where I learned and I had to quickly learn, you had to learn, you had no choice. If you want to be part of this world and be in those environments, you figure out how to get shit done in a way. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. In 2010, you were involved in a car accident. Did you ever fear that you would never play basketball again? Because pretty serious situation. Yeah. Yeah, that was my biggest fear, actually. Um, for some reason, uh, the first thing I thought about was basketball, not walking or running. Um, I remember being in the car and thinking, like, I, I just need to play basketball again. So... I guess, um, yeah, another another eye-opening experience on another level. I don't think oh, – I haven't known anyone there to go through something, I guess, in that regard. Like, it's kind of one of those things that you just see on movies. Yeah. And um, – Unexpected to happen to you sort of thing. Yeah, one of those things. Like, I was just going about my everyday life. I was home from the AIS. I just signed with the Gold Coast Blaze. I was playing for my dad in the ABA and just kind of – was making that next step out of the AIS and I wasn't being silly or doing anything stupid. I was just driving home. I slept at my mate's house. We played the day before a double header. I was driving home from my mate's house to get the car to him, to get the car to my dad's story before he had to go to work. And one thing led to another and I was next minute in hospital. But it was um, probably something I took for granted. It's probably in a way I'm fortunate it happened when I was young because I could uh, I guess move past it physically and mentally pretty quickly. Yeah. But something I probably treated maybe a little too uh, a little too easy for what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a bad um, time, I guess, because you just like you mentioned, you just signed with the Blaze and you were making that transition, and it's that's the, probably the worst time when you're trying to transition into like professional like professional environment. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, as I like. Yeah, as I said before, when we're talking about juniors, like the jump from being in a junior environment to a senior level is a massive jump. And so for me, I think I was like the path I was headed on and the way I was playing before that, like it, it took me, I don't, I don't know if I got back to that same level, which I was headed along those lines, I guess, but I, I got back to a, a very good level, but I just... Uh, and you never know what, how I would have played or if I would have been any different had that not have happened. Yeah. Yeah, and like you mentioned before about the Blaze, how that signing all come about and tell us a bit about that. Um, it was kind of out of left field, to be honest. I um, Joey's always had an eye for talent, I guess, in young people, and I don't really know how he knew of me. Um, I hadn't really done any – there was one day – probably the year before when I was just at the AIS, I was on the, we used to come up for as a family on the Gold Coast and I was working out with Shane Hill and I think it was after a Gold Coast Blaze training. I don't know if Joey was, I feel like Joey might've been, they might've just finished and I went in after and I, that might've been the only time he's seen me in person unless he came to a nationals. But um, yeah, 
Yeah. When I was leaving the AIS, Marty Clark was going to Adelaide and um, wanted me to go with him. Uh, Sydney had just come back into the NBL and obviously um, me being from Sydney, they, they um, wanted me to go there as well as I was starting up the Kings again after having a year or two off. And so they were kind of the ones that I guess everyone thought I was going to go down because I had that connection with Marty and I really, really uh, loved playing for Marty and then Sydney being home. But then out of nowhere, Joey um, Joey came up and uh, David uh, – was David uh, – Clacker, it was Clacker, their GM, used to coach with my dad back in the day and he was still to do with the Blaze. I think he kind of said to dad that the Blaze wanted me and then I flew up to the Gold Coast, met with Joey for the first time, uh, got introduced to people around the club and I guess the biggest thing for me was I knew uh, Adam Gibson somewhat. James Harvey was at the Razorbacks when I was younger and I loved Harves. Uh, I kind of knew Anthony Petrie a little bit and then they had some other young guys like Chris Golding and Tommy Gallup and some some guys that I had been around or seen and I, I think the personnel for me was what drove me to go to the Gold Coast. It was another decision that was out of my comfort zone a little bit because I didn't really know everyone but Joey seemed really good and the environment and the club, the way they showed me around and introduced me to people it just kind of seemed like it was going to be the best fit for me to grow. So you made your debut later that year. How special was it to make the debut and return to the sport after a bit of a layoff there? Yeah, it was um, – I still remember it. it. was pretty cool. I was so nervous that day. I had, like, the, the, the transition thing you spoke of before. Like, my last game was an ABA game the day before the accident. And then I hadn't played any other game until that game. Like that was, yeah. I think, close to six months later, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, like, whilst it was a joy to play, I just, I think I was so happy that it was like I was past the accident, even though as time would go on that year, I wasn't really past it. I struggled throughout that season to train full on and stuff like that. But, but um, yeah, playing and, and just being able to get out in the court, even though I was so nervous, was one of the uh, the better feelings I've ever had. Yeah. In your second NBL season, you played every game. Did that give you the confidence that you're improving and becoming a good player at that level? Yeah, I think um, that off-season, so as I said, like I, I after my first game, I could barely walk to the car. I had to get help. Like yeah. I just had yeah. stages for that first game where – like my hips would lock up and uh, at one stage, some of the pins that I've got inside broke. So I had internal bleeding. Like I just, there was some stuff that went on, which as I said, I was young and just kind of thought, oh, it's like an ankle, which it wasn't. And um, that came up, that's made me struggle a little bit. And then that off season, I basically didn't, I don't think I ran. I wasn't allowed to run for like two months. Yeah. I was just strictly like basically weights and doing a bunch of rehab stuff. And I actually think the um, the people we had in charge of the play is uh, Will Markwick and the strength and conditioning and physios that I've grown up with uh, in Sydney, Peter Musa and stuff. They really helped me get to get back to being able to play a full season. And I think from then on, like I've touched wood, been pretty, pretty good at playing almost every year. I think I've only missed, I think I broke my finger in Adelaide and missed one game maybe. Um, 
and that's it since that point. So, um, yeah, definitely helped build some confidence. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, in the 2011 and 12 off-seasons, you played for – ball played in the Waratah League. How did this compare to the NBL and how did you enjoy that? Um, playing in the Waratah League, albeit it's not obviously the same level of the NBL or yeah. – uh, even like even now, the level of it probably isn't up to I'd say what other state leagues are. But uh, being able to play for Bankstown, uh, where I grew up, played all my juniors, is one of the best things that uh, I think I'll ever do. I, I really, really enjoy it. Um, I guess for me, uh, once you get to this level, as much as you still love basketball, it's very much a profession and a business because you can get moved on real quick. If you're not playing well, people don't want you anymore. There's a whole different thing that comes into it where playing for Bankstown is just me going home and playing for a club I grew up with, with my mates that I grew up with and people around the club. So it just it feels like home to me and something that I don't think you can replace from that point of view because I've just i had so many great times in that stadium around people at that club. And um, so anytime I get to play in the Waratah or be at the league, whether it's great, not as good or whatever, it's it's always been, I guess, very special. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you were selected by Australia for the Stankovic Cup in 2012, where you came home with a silver medal. Can you describe what that whole experience was like for you? Um, it was pretty good. I think from memory that was when China were at full strength and they had like Gi Jin Lin and all these people. And so we were just young. Yeah. And... Um, we actually just, I don't think we were expected because a lot of the other teams were senior teams. We were just like, a lot of us were younger guys that they kind of just picked to, to go over and play for Australia because a lot of the older guys weren't available. And so I think um, it was a lot of fun. We had a, we had a young team, but we, we got after it and we somehow made the final. I think we're actually pretty competitive for most of that final. But um, yeah, going to China is always an interesting experience from the culture point of view. It's very different to how we are here, but um, they love basketball over there and they always look after you with accommodation and stuff like that. So it's normally a lot of fun, those trips. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when you just go with the flow and don't have expectations, it actually works out for you and helps you because there was probably no pressure on you. You just went out and played. A little bit. I think it's kind of fly under the radar. And I think other thing too is sometimes on those trips, like – you just form a good a good bond with the guys around you that you just really enjoy it. And so sometimes I guess that also helps the basketball side because you're just out there having fun. And so, yeah, the expectation, having a bit of fun, it, it normally takes some uh, pressure off some people. Yeah. The next year you represented Australia in various tournaments. How cool was it to be successful with the national side? And was there more like experience there or was it still a relatively young side? Yeah, I, I've been pretty lucky throughout. Um, like, obviously, you'd love to play at a World Cup or an Olympics, but, like, I've been kind of consistent, like, in with the older crew and, and the main guys and then in with the younger guys throughout since I was – when we spoke about the AS 2009. Yeah. So since then, like, my first trip was with over to Brazil with, like, Patty Mills, Joe Ingles, Nate Jawai, Adam Gibson, like, a whole host of crew. And so – I've kind of floated in and out of both of them when it's been a younger crew and older crew. And so I've been very fortunate to play with some great people. And throughout the years, I've also been lucky enough that 
at most of those tournaments, I've either played pretty well or our team's done very well. So like, and anytime you get to play in that environment overseas or with, um, I guess in a strange jersey with those kind of people, you you often find that it's some of the best and most fun basketball you play because it's just a bunch of guys away together wearing a uniform. No one cares how many points they score. No one cares if they play well. They just want to do what's best for the group. And we've I found so many times throughout the years that it's just it's such a fun way to play basketball. And it's normally on one of those trips where you're in China for two weeks. No one understands English. And you just find ways to have fun and really enjoy each other's company. And so, yeah, I've been very fortunate throughout my basketball career to, to have many great experiences with the Boomers team. And following on from that, you then moved to Adelaide 36ers, where you were an important part of the team. How pumped were you to make the grand final that early on in your um, time there? Yeah, um, leaving the Gold Coast was tough. Uh, there was a whole host of things that were happening, um, but uh, I thought it was the right time to go. Marty wanted me to go two years before, and Marty again wanted me to come, and I just thought it was the right time for me to go to Adelaide and move on, and then eventually Gold Coast folded a month later. So it ended up obviously being the right move. And then um, Gold Coast was a mixed bag. I mean, Adelaide was a mixed bag because our first year, we just had a lot of stuff not go our way. We, we, they'd come last a couple of years in a row, I think, or close to. And then a few of us, me, Gibbo and Peach had come in. The import we were supposed to get didn't end up coming. We ended up having another import. Like some things happened. Some people got hurt throughout the year. We lost like, I think it was like 10 games by under four points. Yeah, Gee, that's like we just, pretty unlucky. Yeah, well, like we were just we were close, but we just weren't good enough. And I was still young, and probably wasn't ready to start all the games. Then I guess I probably needed maybe I probably needed a bit more talent around me to help. Yeah. But we we were competitive. We just didn't have that thing to to, to get us over the line. And then, um, yeah, Mar- and then. Marty got sacked or sorry, didn't get sacked. His contract ran out. They didn't renew it. And then Joey came in and Joey brought in just a couple of pieces. He brought in Gary Irving and one other import, Jared Fry, who ended up getting cut. But that was all it was. It just, it was that plus a couple others. And we just went on our way and, and did really well. And um, yeah, playing that grand final was an unreal experience. My second game, the set game two in Adelaide was one of the craziest environments I've ever been in. Just the crowd was bonkers. Yeah. And they were, just, they were so fired up, man. And it was just like, I guess after a few years of having a rough go and then we ran out and just like, it was like people were hanging from the roof. It was crazy. Yeah. Gets you up and about for sure. Oh, it was nuts. I remember running out and just had goosebumps down my whole body. Yeah. Yeah. I- couple of years later, you signed with the Kings. What was the motivation behind the decision to move from Adelaide? I was just ready to go home. Um, we've, we won that grand final and then – oh, we lost the grand final, sorry. Then I went back – I went played in New Zealand in the off-season and I was over there and Adelaide kind of didn't know what they were doing and, and um, I kind of wasn't sure what was happening there and then – Damien Cotto got the job in Sydney, who I'd had a lot to do with as a junior, and um, they'd already kind of spoke to me. And I just, 
I don't know, something hit me that I was like, yeah, it's time to go back to Sydney. I just thought I was ready to go back to Sydney and be home and be around that environment where I, I grew up kind of thing. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I ended up being, I think, like, although we had a few tough years, uh, I think I played pretty good basketball and I really, really enjoyed playing in Sydney. Like, it was um, a really cool experience for me being home and, I guess playing in front of people that I grew up around and seeing people everywhere that knew me from when I was younger and stuff like that it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and speaking about New Zealand, when you went over there, you absolutely tore up, didn't you? I think you put, dropped some big numbers over there, so that would have been um, pretty good. So. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I got there, and this wasn't all because of me, but I got there and the team was 0-5. Yeah. And then my first game, I flew in on the Thursday, I think, train, and then we played the next day. We drove three hours, played and lost by 20. And then the next day we played uh, Shane Hill's team, and I love talking to Shane about this, who yeah. had Corey Webster and all this. And um, we had, uh, you guys wouldn't know, Dwayne Bailey, who was a young player for the Breakers back then, Daryl Coletto. Daryl yeah. Coletto was yeah. Dylan Boucher, who's a legend of the New Zealand basketball. Pretty and so, yeah, and so, but uh, other than that, we had a bunch of young guys and like uh, the Wellington team we played this day had, we, and also Corletto and Boucher were injured. The Wellington team we played had like um, Lindsay Tate, who's a New Zealand legend, Corey Webster, I think BJ Anthony might have been playing for him, Dion Prewster, like stacked, like they hadn't lost the game. And uh, we rolled out and beat them by, like, 15, and I had, like, 35. And then from then on, uh, Dylan came back, Coletto came back, and we kind of got rolling to where we almost made playoffs. We won, like, eight or nine of our last 11 or something and just missed out. And I really enjoyed it. Obviously, I did play very well over there. And so then I went back for the following year, which uh, was the same thing. And we made the playoffs that year, but got done But um, I really enjoyed it because we didn't have the most stacked team, but uh, playing with Dylan Boucher and, and things like that was something I always wanted to do, so I loved it. Yeah. yeah. And what, just touching on before we talking about Sydney Kings, I think um, Connor and myself, it's not really an ongoing joke, but when um, we went to watch a game, Melbourne United versus Sydney, and you were playing it, and I think you dropped a couple of threes, and since then we, we loved the um, announcer's call when he said, Kitty for a three, like that. And, yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes after that we just shoot and, and call that out because it was it was good fun. It's pretty funny you say that because, uh, as I said, Anthony Petrie, who – do you boys remember him playing for okay. played for the Bulls for a few years, played for you know, Adelaide for a number of years? Yeah. And uh, so he's, he's one of my best mates. He lives about half an hour away. And uh, he always – he reckons that he shoots better when he says that. <laughs> yeah, yeah that was I think that was a OT game went overtime and probably the best game I've been to. I'm not sure who ended up getting the result to be honest, but it was a while back. It could have been in Melbourne. I've had like some really good games in Melbourne. Not like not personally, but team wise, like some like games like that where it's gone down to the wire or overtime or someone's been down. I've had uh I've I've a lot of fun playing in Melbourne actually. Yeah. Uh, your basketball is taking you all around the world, pretty much. What's your favourite place you've been to with the basketball, would you say? Oh, tough one. Um, 
Mm, I've been oh, I've been to some great places. Oh, uh, I really yeah. enjoyed. Uh, we played in Italy at a tour once, and we were over there for about four weeks, and it was uh, really like yeah, that was really cool. Um, going to Brazil and Argentina was pretty cool as well because um, Manu yeah. Ginobili was there. We played in Argentina and he was at the game and people were going bonkers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, been a, a host of lovely places. Playing in Greece is – when I went to Greece, actually, Greece was one of the coolest places. I loved, I loved being in Greece. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, and all these different places. Like, it would be pretty awesome just experiencing different cultures. Like, I know you're there for basketball, but just experiencing the environment and all those different Yeah, places. and you do it. Like, it's not a holiday, I guess. Like, yeah, we're overseas, and it's not a, but it's not a holiday. Like, we're training most days, playing, traveling. Tra- like, I guess people, some people that haven't done it probably think it's just like, oh, you're just on a holiday, but it, it, they're pretty hard, those trips. But yeah. – we do get time, like to, to get out and experience some things, and and um, often when you're in those group environments, you, a lot of you just go together. So I think it helps when you go with a group, you can really enjoy it and go and try different things that you might not do if you were just by yourself. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. In 2018, you changed team signing with the Brisbane Bullets, where you were named the NBL best six six man. How rewarding was that recognition for you after many solid seasons consecutively? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I uh, obviously, like, I've grown up watching the NBL, so to, I guess, I, I wasn't really expecting it. Uh, I thought, um, I, don't, I think I was deserving of it, but there was a number of other guys that could have could have got it as well and deserved it. But um, I guess growing up watching the NBL and and – Seeing that and, like, even, as I said, my friend Peach, uh, another guy who I grew up with, uh, played my first year, Stephen Hoare. I think he's won it. Like, a lot of great guys have won that award. And so, guess to be in that company with that award, but also just be recognised. And, like, a lot of people don't know that I basically, like, helped recruit Sobes here, knowing that might mean that I won't start. And I was perfectly fine with that. Not because I didn't want to or anything. I'd love to start, but... I don't really care about starting. I just care about playing basketball and playing with good players. And so I guess to the background of all that, to then get that award, what, 12 months later, I think I just, I feel like it kind of showed how unselfish I was for that whole process. And I also also think it helped me play good basketball, having a guy like Soap alongside me as well. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, just touching on Nathan Soap, he's from uh, Warnable, and that's probably like, 40 minutes from where we are so he's from down this way as well yeah, so. you blokes. yeah. I won't judge you based on that though <laughs> the, the Boomers delivered gold in the 2018 Commonwealth Games how awesome was it to win on home soil and probably in front of family there too yeah well um, it was the exact reason I wanted to do it and did it I turned down going to Europe to do the Com Games and yeah. at the time kind of a big decision I'd just done Europe the year before and go back and maybe uh, make another good impression over there and things like that and then I remember sitting I think I was on a flight somewhere right before that thinking like if I was overseas and they were playing and won a gold medal would I be more devastated at that or would I be more devastated being here and not being overseas and I just I couldn't miss out on the chance, not knowing we would win it, but on the chance to try and win it at home, yeah. knowing that it probably be the only time, well, definitely be the only time in my career that 
that will happen. And who knows for how long? It hasn't been here for, I think it was like 12, 14, 16 years. So um, we had a really special group. I kind of wish, uh, whilst I love being in Cairns, we weren't in the village the whole time. And then that would have been cool to be around that environment um, the whole time. But um, yeah, it was really cool. A lot of family and friends came and um, to just, yeah, to, to have got the job done and win that gold medal was uh, not a massive relief, but it was just like, it was so rewarding, even though we did it pretty easy because New Zealand lost the semi, it was just rewarding to, to actually go and get the job done that we should have got done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your side was involved in quite, quite a rare incident, I guess on the basketball court, a brawl against the Philippines. Um, Connor and I actually watched it last night. Just, just, just it's fresh in memory. Yeah. Well, it's, it makes me pretty fired up watching. I want to throw some, uh, throw some hands, but um, can you describe how that all went down and what it was like to be in an environment like that, which is so different to what you're used to, I guess? It was wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on it, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know. Like, I've never seen anything like it. And I just, uh, I don't know what started it. Like, I, the whole kicks thing happened and whatnot, like, at the point of where it started, but like, that dude had been carried on, carrying on for like a long time in that game. Yeah. And to the stage where I wasn't on, we were, we, first of all, we lost to Japan like three nights earlier. So we were annoyed because we'd lost. That was our first loss since I had been part of it. And when we moved to the Asian stuff, we hadn't lost. We'd been playing good. And yeah. And Fon came in. And so there was a, there was a sense of like just, uh, like I guess annoyance and real disappointment that we lost that game. And so there was like a thing of like, right, oh, we've got to come out. We weren't, we felt like we played passive, not aggressive. So we were like, we're going to come out against the Philippines and we're going to kick their ass. Like, yeah, we're just going to play very good basketball. And that's what we were doing. Um, I don't think we were being disrespectful. I just think we were up by a lot. I don't think they liked it. And then yeah. uh, a few of them started playing in a way that, it's fine. It happens in games. But that one guy was just doing some stuff to, to Bubbles, who was playing very well at that time. And Chris started talking back to him, uh, which I don't see a problem with as old mate was talking to him. Yeah. And just kind of one thing led to another and it just kept going. And then next minute, like I just remember blue shirts running from all over the place. And it was just pure chaos from that point on. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean – we see stuff like those games happen all the time, but just I, I've never seen people react like that, yeah. uh, which is a shame. There's a lot of great people that I know who are from the Philippines and a great – like there's some players in that team that I know are really nice. So I I don't know what caused that reaction, but um, it was – yeah, it was – that whole incident was crazy. Yeah, it was mad. Yeah, it was chaos. Some guy was like – I think it was – like coming at you and you're like, oh, just chill. Like you sort of push him down and like chill out. Like it's just crazy. Oh, I just, golding again. I'm not a fighter for the best. I yeah. couldn't hit a paper bag, mate. But, <laughs> I, but I remember at the time thinking like, it's weird how much goes through your head in like what would probably seem like 10 seconds, but it seemed yeah. like so many things. And I remember because kicks when it happened and old mate got into it, kicks went down. And then I just remember seeing – uh, Andre Blatch going after kicks and I don't, have you guys seen the video of Andre Blatch when he played in China and he chased someone trying to hit him 
No, no but so, it seems like it's going to be a history. Yeah. Well, yeah. That up. So he, he got in a fight in China. And so as he was going after kicks, like I just instantly remembered that video of him. And so yeah. I was like, hey, he's not messing around. But then as that was happening, because Andre's come past me and his fist was clenched. So I was like, okay, this is on. <laughs> I just I just remember seeing a whole heap of blue shirts up and like coming, not just standing. Yeah. And so my first thing was like, okay. And then as I seen him just running through on punches, it kicks. And then um, as that was kind of all happening, all these blue shirts are coming. So in my head, I was like, find space because I just seen him throwing random haymakers. Yeah. And they were trying to hit people and like not looking at them. They were just trying yeah, to back of the head, just back of the yeah. head and stuff like that. So my first instinct was like, find space. And then where is like my teammates at? And then whilst that ha- happened, that guy stood over Sobes. And so my instant thing was just to like push him off Sobes. And then as that happened, Fon come running across me. Yeah. Because some, like one of the guys had just tried to punch him in the head. And then, so then all of a sudden, then kicks come out of the corner. So in all the mayhem that had happened, Nothing. they, I, I felt like we were all together now because they just all, Sobes got up, Fon came here, kicks came out of the corner. And then, we were backpedaling and then Luke Longley pulled me. And as he pulled me, I remember just seeing another yellow jersey and yelling out. And then next minute we run down and that was obviously we now know bubbles under the ring, but just like, yeah, he was I just remember the whole chaos. And at one point in that, I think it was, uh, I don't know, I remember the guy's name, but he looked at me and I was like, right. Oh, what's he going to do? Yeah. And then nothing. He just looked at me and looked away. And then he seen Thon and ran up and tried to punch Thon because Thon wasn't watching, looking at him. And I was like, the moment I saw that, I knew that, like, they're actually not trying to fight. They're just trying to basically just get whoever's not watching. And so I was like, just keep space, grab gold jerseys, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, yeah. pretty insane. Yeah, poor, yeah, poor um, Chris Golding. He was getting bloody, like, because all you boys, because their bench all just, oh, when you watch the footage, it's crazy because it's just six of their bench players that just climb over and it's like a sea of blue just coming across. And you're it was pretty bad. Like I yeah. think one of the players' dads threw a chair at Sobes when he wasn't yeah. looking. Yeah. Uh, there's and what you don't see in the footage is there was another guy on their bench that uh, so when it all kind of got broken up, I think. Well, we we try to get bubbles out front of the ring, and Sobes was around that side. He got hit by the chair, and then one of their dudes just came up from behind him and just punched him straight in the jaw. Yeah. Like. One of the biggest dog shots. Like, it'd be regarded as a king hit over here. No, that's... But it didn't get seen. There's actually a photo of it. There's a photo somewhere. And so, like, he's just so... Just, but it was one of the biggest dog shots I've ever... Like, I've half seen it, but I heard it. But I was just yeah. like, some of that stuff was just like... And even those dudes, like, they're assisting... Like, people just jumping on bubbles and stuff. Like, I mean, look, as I said, I've got nothing against um, against them. But, like, it just... A lot of that doesn't make sense. And then people had to go at our bench, but like if our bench left, then we would have got disqualified. Like exactly. as frustrating as it was, like our bench, we did the right thing in terms yeah. of it. Like, like uh, yeah, it was yeah. just yeah, something big, that as said, we don't see often or really ever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, big Luke Longley was doing the right thing, holding you boys back, and people like Delhi and that obviously didn't want to get involved, and like fair bit at stake. So, um, yeah, but I, I think the commentator actually said when we were watching it, he said. Black should be fine for throwing such a soft punch uh, on one of them. So yeah. it was it was pretty funny to watch back. I think that might have been Shane Hill. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> yeah. um, 
Yeah. So your parents both represented Australia in basketball at the Olympics. How big of an impact have they had on your career? And did they ever push you to play basketball or just let you do what you wanted to? Um, yeah, they kind of let me do whatever. I think, like, they obviously would have, I guess, like I do with my young fella now, like, I've got a ring in here, he's only one, but he loves it. Like, yeah, I think it's natural for, I guess, our family a little bit to, to like basketball. Like, we've had, I know my parents had so much to do with it. It was their jobs and stuff, as it is mine at the moment. And I love it. Like, I just, I love now, as I'm getting older, starting to teach kids and starting to work with um rep kids and stuff like that like I really enjoyed and even talking the game to people and and stuff like that so I really enjoy it and then mum and dad um yeah I mean I couldn't even I don't know where to start they've done so much and said so much over the years that was pretty much always spot on um mum doesn't talk to me as much as dad I guess but I know when mum speaks it's because she's got something she needs to say and it's normally spot on so Easily the biggest influences of my career, especially dad, um, having to do, had so much to do with him. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate because it's like they're my parents, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. when I have to, when I ring dad just to say, hey, and he, we talk about basketball, like I don't know many people that can ring their parents and have that conversation. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Cool. Right. So you've had some great highlights in your career so far. What have been, if you had to put it down to a couple, some of the most memorable moments playing basketball? Um, oh, there's been a few. The Commonwealth Games is a big one. I um, uh, played, I went home uh, 2016, 17, and I played for Bankstown. Yeah. And it was the first time I played a full season and we won it. And okay. the banks then had won it for like twenty something years, and yeah, that's awesome. The uh, guy I grew up with, who's one of my good friends, he was coaching. A bunch of my mates were playing, so I guess to to do that, not for myself, obviously a bit for myself, but like that year, like we were all Bankstown. Like Steve Markovich came back to play. Um, Clint Reed, who used to play NBL back in the day, was older but came back to play. Like it was just a bunch of young. People had grown up playing at Bankstown. We came back and played, and that was just something that I felt it was really rewarding for the people that had been around the club for years and seen it and never had that chance to win it. And so that was yeah. a great thrill. Um, FIBA Asia Cup, when we won that, uh, it was the first time Australia competed in it. I think it was the first men's Australian FIBA medal. I, I don't think we'd won a FIBA medal before. Yeah, uh, And that trip was probably one of the best trips I've ever been on in terms of like, we were away for a fair while. Like I want to say close to a month in Lebanon and in a hotel, which like can sometimes is, there's a big thing with the boomers. And I guess that we talk about those hotel fatigue, like you can find yourself just get up, go to breakfast, sit around in your, in your bed, go to training, come back, sit around in your bed, talk, go to dinner, like doing the same thing. And, it can wear on you pretty quick, but that group, we like, yeah, we had such a great time and everyone got along and we just, we really enjoyed being around each other. And I think that makes it something that I'll never forget, which I'd say is why it makes it such a special memory. Yeah. But um, I guess it's little things like that. Like just, you always remember like, and even some of the teams that didn't do so well, like um, 
well, should have done better when my first couple of years, my third and fourth year with Sydney when we had, when Drury took over, like we should have had, especially my first year, we should have made the finals. But I love, like those two years playing in Sydney were awesome. I loved it, playing for Drury and Copes, like stuff like that. Like it's just, there's little parts along the way that just add up, I guess. Yeah, great memories. So you're obviously a hot hand from beyond the arc. What's it like? Well, I guess what's the feeling like when the crowd's really into it and and you're um, dropping some threes early? Like it would be like no other feeling I can imagine. It's pretty cool, I guess. You feel like everyone's riding the shot with you, and so you kind of like sometimes it like when it gets to that stage where like like if we're on a run or the game's tight and like you feel like the crowd like they just like. As soon as you shoot it, sometimes they all like start to lift, and then like yeah. you miss it, like flattens out. But like, yeah, if, if you make it, it just feels like everyone is just like going wild. Like it's it's one of those things. I guess it's until you play in that environment, and especially if you get hot, like I, there's a number of dudes that do it. But like you start to feel like every time you shoot it, the crowd like starts to expect you're gonna make it. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes you shoot it, just feel like. I want this to go in so everyone, because they're all waiting on it. Yeah. And sometimes you feel like, oh, I can't buy one. These people are going to be filthy. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's yeah. obviously good days and bad days, but yeah, like it is, like when you get going, it is a lot of fun because I feel like so, like some of the crowds around the NBL are, are pretty top-notch, so it's, it's pretty cool. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, so this is probably a bit of a tough one too, but you've played with a lot of guns. Who are the some of the best uh, you've played with and against, if you're just to name a couple. Um, geez, yeah, it is a tough one. Played with a lot of great players. Uh, Josh Childress. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Incredible bloke. Incredible bloke. Uh, like, just a really good guy. I hope he never watches this because I never say anything good about Chile. I just tell him he sucks all the time. But <laughs> um, no, and just like an incredible basketball player. Like people used to give him the rap or not a great shooter, not a great this, but like was one of the first blokes I'd ever seen if people sat off him, just take up space and like just be on the ring. Like you could stand off him as much as you want, but he would just find ways to get at you and be it past you. And yeah, uh, he, he affected the game in so many different ways with his passing and rebounding. So Chile's definitely up there. Um, but yeah, like I guess I've played with like guys like Paddy Mills and Joe Ingles and Brad Newley. Like Newell's yeah, is very good. I played with him in the back end of his career, but as well, but like not back end. He's still kicking on very well. So yeah. I wouldn't call it the back end. He's still playing good basketball. But when Newell's was younger, he took me under his wing when I was like seventeen with the Boomers and. He was just like such a force in transition and just such a great player. And so I've been very lucky. Adam Gibson and Anthony Petrie, probably two I probably played the most games with, I'd say. Yep. And uh, have had a massive impact on me as a person, as a player. And two guys that if you were to pick a team of 10 to go into, you'd pick them every day of the week because of what they do for the group. Yeah. And then... um. Even Kevin, I, I I can't go past Kevin Lish. Like, he was incredible. Um, once again, one of the nicest guys you'll meet, but an absolute competitor on the court, like just relentlessly in your face at training. One of those dudes that you just like, you know if you're going onto a, to, into a game and he's standing alongside you to play, like, you know you're a chance. Yeah. Because yeah. he just he does so many little things and he doesn't care 
if it's his night, if it's your night, he just like he just wants to do whatever it is to get a win. And he's somebody that once again, if you could say, I'm rolling out tonight to play the Perth Wildcats in Perth, and I got Kevlish alongside me, very good chance tonight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is probably another tough one, but is there a piece of advice that you've been given that sticks out in your mind, or you kind of carry with you when you go out in court or in life? Probably, maybe. Your main source of advice probably been uh, your father through your career, maybe, but yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a single piece of advice, but I feel like the one thing that I continually talk about now, once again, easier in some aspects for me because of my dad and mum and so on, but I feel like surrounding yourself with good people goes a long way and. Uh, I see a lot of kids who want to work out by themselves and do that thing. I've never been that way. Like I enjoy going and working out, but like I enjoy being around people. And I think the better better people you surround yourself with, then the more you're going to get from yourself and them. And the, the moment you realize that I can start making other people better, if I make two, three, four people better, that's four people making me better. And so yeah, I think that's that's the one thing I've, I've noticed since growing up. And I think about like outside of my, my parents, like I had not always the greatest coaches as juniors, but I had some very good ones. I had some very average ones, but I had the, the, the people that ended up becoming my mates through basketball were good people. Yeah. And they, they weren't all about themselves. They were about the, like just being around each other and playing basketball and going and playing together. And I just think that carried a lot of weight in, where I'm at today and I just think it's it's something you can't just get yourself like I feel like when you surround yourself with good people you put trust in the people that are coaching you or, or telling you stuff and you, you start to figure out who actually has your best interest I think that's when you can really find that you'll take like a lot of steps forward and I think I was very fortunate for that as a younger and I hope that's what I can give to my children as well and put them in environments where they feel like they can surround themselves, not because of me, because of them. They, they pick the right people to be around. I think that goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. So this season, probably more specifically towards the end, was probably a bit affected by COVID and a bit weird. How did it feel to be a part of as a player or were you affected or was it later in the season? Yeah. So we kind of would finish just before it kind of really started to play a toll. So it kind of really only affected Perth and Sydney. I mean, it affected the yeah. league because, but it really just affected them because they were in the midst of when no one knew what was happening. It was all a bit of a mess, and so it um it didn't really affect us, but obviously it's affected a lot of people's lives now, and it's affecting our season going forward. Because if it's what's the date thirtieth, we'd be starting next week if it was normal time. So um. It is all a bit all over the shop, but um, I guess we're just trying to find ways and hopefully sooner rather than later things can go back to normal and get back to living life and going to sporting events and catching up with mates for beers and things like that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, how are the Bullets lads shaping up for the upcoming season, um, would you say? Pretty good, I think. Um, we've, we've had our whole team here for a while now, just circumstances worked out that way and, and so on. But we picked up a couple of guys from Adelaide and um, I think they're big pieces to us. I think Drimmick and Froling will play a big part. Um, 
Tamri Wignes and Tanner Krebs. Tanner comes from St. Mary's, Tamri from the AIS. Um, both very good basketball players. Uh, Tamri's only 18, I think he is. And so he's got a lot to learn, but he plays with a certain edge that I think will help us. And Tanner's a great shooter who can do, a bit to, do bits and pieces. So adding those guys in, I think, will, will add value. And then the, to the guys we've got returning, I think um, we've got a good core. So now... We need to get an import. We lost Lamar, which um, hurts and sucks, but um, it's part of, the, as I said, it's a business and these things happen. Money and stuff gets involved. And if we can replace him with the right guy and somebody, I mean, it's hard to replace Lamar Patterson, but somebody who can bring some attributes that he did to our group, I think it puts us in good stead going forward. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And finally, what are some of your interests away from the basketball court? You've obviously got your... Uh, family and that yeah I'm pretty relaxed um, I wouldn't say I have any main, main hobbies I love playing a bit of PlayStation um, I've got a dog who's a Hungarian Vistler so he's very active they're like hunting dogs basically yeah so um, getting him out and out and about and being able to get him to spots where I can take him off the leash and let him roam and stuff like that um, just doing things like that just Anything relaxed, hanging out with mates, going to the beach for a swim, just kind of stuff like that. I've got a jet ski with uh, Will Magne. We have the jet ski, so me and him get out on that a little bit now at the moment and go across the islands and stuff like that off Brisbane, Stradbroke and stuff like that. So just, just doing little things like that that just take your mind off it and just relax. But, um, yeah, that and the family stuff at the moment, the little man's starting to get around it quite a bit, so it takes up a bit of time. Yeah, and um, just before we let you go, I think you're a Collingwood sport, aren't you? So. Kind of. Kind of? <laughs> so my dad. So I was when I was younger because my dad was, and then as I got a bit older being from Sydney, I kind of started to go for the Swans. So Collingwood's kind of like my second team in a way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't mind Swans ever, but we're, we're Richmond, which we've been fortunate. Also, hard. Because my family's from Melbourne, so half my dad's side's Richmond and then Phil McCollingwood, so it's like a big divide. Yeah, yeah. massive divide there. And I just wanted to um, quickly mention, did, did you watch the Last Dance documentary and what did you think of that if you did? And um, Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of us that like basketball would have watched it. It was really good. It came up right when no one had anything to do because we were in lockdown, so that was yeah, perfect yeah. time. But um, nah, obviously getting an insight into that kind of world and what goes on and the way they videoed it was incredible. Like everyone wants to see stuff like that, where whether you've seen it in person or you haven't been able to sit back and watch that kind of stuff is always fun to watch. Um, it was very, I guess, one-sided in a way. It was tailored towards what MJ, I guess, wanted it. Um, yeah. But I don't think that takes away from it but because we all love those of us who've seen enough of him, how good MJ was. So it would have been cool to see it from all aspects, but um, it's still something that I, I think we all – I loved watching it. It was something that I was ready to watch whenever it was every Monday and yeah. I think it was a great insight into, I guess, the, the superstar power and what goes into behind the scenes and things like that. Add a snippet, you didn't even see everything. So 
Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. As did we. Yeah, I, I probably would have liked to see a bit more of um, Luke Longley and some other players that didn't get as much airtime. And um, like you mentioned there, like MJ had most of it, but it was yeah pretty awesome to see what went on back then behind the scenes a bit. Just the little things, and I reckon like I actually think they probably made it too short. They probably could have gone for another five episodes. I felt like they started to try and rush the bit ending of it. Like I just don't think they needed to do that. Like it would have been cool to just watch an extent where they showed a bit more of the behind the scenes stuff and things like that. But um, what they did show us was really cool and something that I think we're all very fortunate to have. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see maybe some more come out with some of those teams yeah. going forward. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, that's all we have for you, Jason. Um, thanks heaps for your time coming on and wish you all the best for the upcoming season and, and the future. Oh, awesome, lads. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No, no worries. worries. Thank you. Thanks a lot. See you later. Catch up. See you guys.